But it's great to be with you. First Sunday of the new year. Great to, great to be together. I hope you had a good break. Hope you had a good Christmas and New Year's. And um, my girls are both back from college. So that was good to have them here. And um, just good family time. So hope you guys had some as well. So um, we're starting a new book of the Bible. We're going to be studying the next couple months. And it's the book of Ephesians. And we did this last year when we studied Philippians. There are some booklets that uh, Crossway Publisher puts out, where on one side you have the text from the book you're studying, and then the other side is blank, and you can take notes and underline and all that. So we're making these available. They'll be in the foyer when you leave. I think they're like six bucks. We're asking you to chip in five. If you just need to take it, go ahead and do that, though. But then I realized this morning, like, we're starting Ephesians, and some people liked last year having the book during the sermon and doing that. So I doubled the usher's pay this morning and asked them like if they would just walk the aisles and make these available. So you don't have to pay them. This isn't like Kinnick where you're buying a beer or a Coke or something like that. We're not going to pass money up and down the aisles, right? But if you would like uh, to use one of these during the sermon right now, just kind of put your hand up and these guys will kind of hand one to you, all right? So otherwise you can grab one when you leave uh, today and... Uh, you have five bucks, but you don't need to do that today if you weren't ready for that, all right? So, but these have been a great resource. Also, a really cool bookmark that Pastor Thomas put together for us just so you can kind of track along where we're reading each week out of Ephesians, all right? So, um, so here's my uh, thought of what this passage is going to be like this morning. How many of you had a flu shot? How many of you had your flu shot? Okay. One of my daughters is going to Kenya on a mission trip. And it, did somebody sneeze on cue or something or what? Somebody laughed over there. I've heard there's been some pretty bad flu stuff going around. So that's a good promo for the plug, but uh, for the shot. But um, one of my daughters is going to Kenya over spring break with a mission trip with her church in college. So she had to have three shots on Friday. And the whole purpose behind that is so that her body will stay strong and healthy so she can go over there and serve the Lord and have a great time, right? So that's why you get injected with things. As a dad, maybe, maybe as for somebody you've loved or if you've had the privilege of being a parent, I'd, there have been a couple times where I remember if I could just inject some things into my kids' hearts, you know, like when they're first born and they're put in your arms, like, and you just wish you could just download them with, you know, God loves you. Like, there's, there is a God, and he's awesome, and you gotta, you got to trust him. Or the first day they go off to school uh, on their own, and you're just wishing you could just download them with some stuff so that they will go and, and just thrive, or when they drive off to college, or whatever it is, just, I, can, I, I catch that kind of tone in our passage today. It's, uh, the book of Ephesians was written by the Apostle Paul, and he wrote a lot of the New Testament, and like when it's the book of Ephesians, that means he wrote to a church in a city called Ephesus, and so these were the Ephesian believers living in this city uh, that was a very sophisticated city. It was the fifth largest city in the world at that time, a place of commerce. There was a big port there, very educated, very academic, uh, very influential, uh, wealthy. And here are these believers, these brand new Christians living out a new faith in kind of a hard context. And so Paul spent three years with them, and he loved them, and he taught them, and he saw people meet Jesus and uh, there's a passage in Acts 20 that when Paul had to say goodbye to them, when he was moved on to another spot, that they just embraced each other and they were just bawling over each other. And I, you, just, you just see this isn't just some random uh, theology paper written by some distant guy. Like this is Paul writing a letter to some people that he really loved. And so he's writing it at about maybe five to seven years later uh, from a prison cell. 
and he's trying to just download into their hearts some essential truths that'll help them just flourish and live as followers of Jesus in such a maybe diverse, in such a uh, maybe oppressive in times uh, place to live out your faith. These, these new young believers grasping onto this new faith, Paul had such a heart for them. And so I think, I think this whole book is going to be good for us. The first three chapters just pound into us who we are in Christ, like how Jesus has blessed us so much. There's so much rich teaching in the first three chapters. But the next three chapters are super practical about, okay, now how do you live these things out? Like all these great things God has done for us in Christ, what does that look like lived out as family members or as we're hanging out with each other or as we use our time or so many practical uh, elements? So it's, it's a powerful book. It's perfect for us as a church. It comes at a great time for us to, to know these truths. So super excited to get it started today. And um, today, these, uh, we're going to read 14 verses, and it's the very beginning of this letter. And if you've read much of Paul, there's times that Paul gets super excited about something, and he just blasts it out there. So um, I'm going to have you stand up. We're going to read these 14, I'm going to read these 14 verses, but I'd love you to stand up and, and focus on them. And as I'm reading this, I want you to know verse 3 to verse 14 is one sentence. Like, Paul was just so excited about all this. Like, if you were his English teacher, I think you'd be saying, hey, use a period now and then. Like, hey, let's, let's break this up. But he just, I just, what I hope you catch this morning is deep love, ultimately from God to you, that he just wants to in, inject your heart with, with these truths that can really set you free this year to live passionately and to live courageously uh, for Jesus. All right, so here we go. Ephesians 1. Verses 1 to 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Bless, here's the beginning of the sentence, 202 words in Greek. Here we go. So blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on the earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. Okay, let me pray, and then we'll we'll be out of here at four o'clock if I teach you all of that. So, no, here we go. Let me pray, and we'll jump in. Father, what a load of just profound truths we just read. And 
I believe you have written and inspired these words, and I believe that you love us, you love this church, and you want to inject these profound truths into our hearts so that we can live the way that you're calling us to live, so that we can live a, a year that is just fruitful and a, a year where we flourish and where we just enjoy the benefits that you have poured into us through Christ. So would you teach us today? Help me. Help me make this clear and help us apply what we learned today. In your great name we pray. Amen. All right, you guys, here we go. So, yeah, you better sit down for this one. Okay, so, all right, so I see this kind of breaking down into three places. I'm going to just grab that, that concept of embracing, and we're going to embrace our God who has blessed us. Verse 3, that is what I think Paul, right out of the chute, is going to ask us to do. Verse 3, remember he said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I don't know if you caught it. You probably didn't count as we were going through that. Um, but Jesus is mentioned 15 times in those verses we read. The phrase in Christ or in him is, is 11 times in there. Uh, the whole concept here and through the whole book of Ephesians is Jesus, what he has done for us, what God has done for us through Christ. And so, but the call at the very beginning of this passage is, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when you hear that challenge to us to bless God, it's not like, maybe it's like right after Christmas, and uh, think of who in your life seems to already have everything. Like, who do you, you know, how do you give something if somebody already has everything? Well, that's, you know, kind of maybe the same thing you're thinking here. Like, how can I bless God? Like, God, he's got everything. He made everything. He owns everything. Uh, and so the concept here isn't like that we are doing a blessing to God. What this is, is more of just uh, celebrate God, praise God. The, the Greek root word is from eulogy. It's like say good things about God. Praise him. You see this like a lot in the Old Testament where it says, bless the Lord, O my soul. It's basically saying, lift your head up and look at how great your God is. Bless him, praise him, because he is a God who blesses us and who, pray, you know, who has done great things on our behalf. And so the way that we are going to be injected this year with boldness or confidence and courage isn't going to be from just looking inside ourselves. Man, you got this year, man. You know, you can do this. You're the man. Like it's, you know, maybe that could get you through some things. But to live in the way that Paul's going to call us to live, you're going to need some help. And he's saying, lift your eyes up and bless, praise, worship the God who has blessed you in so many ways. And so you're going to see that. Maybe you caught it as we were going through it, or if you want to keep looking at your text. They're just throughout this, these 14 verses, the, the, the thought of praising God just keeps coming up. Praise him. Praise him for his grace. Praise him for his goodness. And so um, that's the first point of this whole thing is embrace the God who has blessed us. And so what, I, what we're going to do next is, maybe you caught it as we were reading through it, um, but what Paul does is he talks to us about how God blesses us through each of the three persons of the Trinity. So there's, there's the first part about how God the Father has blessed us, then is how has Jesus, God the Son, blessed us? And then how are we blessed through the Holy Spirit? But again, at the end of each of those sections, there's going to be a comment about praising God, okay? So that's, that's where we're headed. But I just want you to see this part now as like a full court press. Like God is just all in on bringing blessing to his people, all right? So now we're stepping up to the fire hydrant, and we're going to take a drink. Here we go. So embrace the ways that God has blessed us. Let's start with God the Father. Verse 4 says that he chose us in him, that means in Christ, 
before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through the Lord Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. And then here you go, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he blessed us in the beloved. Here's a concept right out of the chute. Welcome to 2020. Uh, we have been chosen by God. Now, theologians much smarter than me, much more read than me, uh, and uh, have delved into this question of what does it mean to be chosen by God? Maybe even specifically, like how does being chosen by God kind of square up with, like we're supposed to put our faith in God. Like where's our responsibility? Did he just choose us? Are we just robotic in this? Did we have, uh, did we have a, a choice in this? And so this whole concept of being chosen, maybe it's too early, January 5th, maybe we should have waited till February to start this, but let's just jump in the deep end of the pool, right? So the Bible clearly teaches this truth, that we are chosen by God. And Ephesians is going to be rich with this illusion that, that uh, we, it wasn't our idea to start following God. It was his idea first. We didn't initiate this whole transaction with God. He initiated with us. Um, whenever it was that we chose to start following Jesus, God went before that. God chose us first. He adopted us into his family. The initiative is completely on his side. And I wish there are several times when the Bible teaches that there's no like, then like an expanded like chapter where it just goes into how does all this happen or how can you explain this? It seems that most of the time that God choosing us is taught right after that is, so praise God. <laughs> so, so praise him. And we see that kind of throughout this chapter. And, and I just wonder, you know, as Paul was writing this, this isn't some abstract uh, concept to him. He's not like just trying to teach us some theology. This was his life story. If you know the story of Paul, uh, you can read in Acts 9 how before he followed Jesus, he persecuted Christians. Like he loved seeing Christians, even to the point of being killed. And so he was on a road trip going to Damascus in Syria to do more of that, to, to oppress and persecute Christians. That was his bent. He wasn't looking for Jesus. Uh, he was just looking for Christians so that he could give them a bad time and maybe even kill them. And so on that road to Damascus, Jesus appeared to Paul. Just boom. And you can read more of the story, but, but Paul's life did a 180 because Jesus found him. Jesus came to him. And so as Paul is writing this, you know this had to be a special truth to him. You can imagine him just kind of even wiping away tears as he's writing down this concept that we were chosen by God. And it's hard to explain. And um, <laughs> listen to a pastor talking about this this week. And it's like sometimes being a pastor, you can't get away with being a pastor that you maybe could do in other professions. So like if you're a car mechanic, and somebody comes up to you, and it's their maybe third time. Say, so what do you think's wrong with the car? It's just like, it's a mystery. I don't know. <laughs> you probably won't be seeing that customer anymore, right? Or if you're a doctor, and your only answer every time is, it's a mystery, all right? So, but if I can defend pastor world a little bit, when your subject is God, the infinite, the almighty God, there are times where we're going to have to be comfortable with just saying it's a mystery. I, I don't understand how this works. There is God's side, and there is our side. We are called to respond to Jesus. We put our faith in Christ, but on the God side of things, 
is that he's the one that chose us. I heard a great analogy for this this week. It's so helpful to me. So it was by a pastor several years, many years ago, named Donald Barnhouse, all right? And he says, picture a gigantic cross, and at the base of the cross, it's so big and wide that there's a door in the, in the base of that cross. And so you come up to this cross. It's like maybe if you are a Christian the day you understood who Jesus is and you're going to put your faith in him. And there's a banner over the door. And uh, he said it was Revelation 22:17, where it says, Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires to take the water of life without price come. Maybe you could put like John 3:16 in there, like whoever believes will not perish but have everlasting life. So you see that, and you see the door, and you go, yes. Like, that's when you put your faith in Christ. You say, yes, and you walk through that door, and there you are, like, in the presence of God, and there's eternity, and all the blessings of being in Christ are there. But then Barnhouse says, what you want to do then is on the other side, you turn around, and you see a happy surprise that awaits you. So I might not have used the word happy surprise, but he did. It was a long time ago. But happy surprise awaits you. So you turn around and you look, and over the door from this side was Ephesians 1.14, Christ 1.4. Christ chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Like once you're on this side, you look back and you see that the whole reason you got through here isn't because like you were good enough or you figured this out or like, yeah, I just, I knew, I just, you know, maybe God needed me on his team, or yeah, I really needed this, so I figured it out, and now I got here. Or maybe some people might think, I don't know how I got here. I snuck in. Like, I just kind of went through the door when it was open, and I followed Jeff Gilmore in here, or something like that. Like, you might just think, that's how, how did you get here? But when you turn around and look, and it says that we're here because he chose us before the foundation of the world. You guys, that should just blow us away. You go, are you serious? me like with all that I've done with who I am and he chose me he knew me this was all his idea that I'm even over here and Paul says that's that's exactly true that's exactly what he's getting at so maybe it's only after we come to Christ that we can know uh, whether or not one has been chosen in Christ and and those who have made a decision for Christ find out that God made a decision for them that is how much God loves us. In fact, I think the encouragement to us this morning is to look back and just read the sign over that door and that you, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you were chosen in him. And again, don't understand all the ins and outs. Why me? Why not? Whoever may come to mind for you, but the truth that is taught here is that you were chosen by God in his love for you. He predestined you to be adopted into his family. So you're going to see this theme throughout the Bible, but especially in Ephesians, that uh, once you receive the gospel, no one brags, no one boasts, no one says, yeah, I did all this, I figured it out, or I'm good enough, or I snuck in, and no, no, no. The only reason we're here is that we were, we were chosen. This was God's idea. This was God's initiative. Uh, Ephesians 2.9, we're going to see this in a couple weeks, says no one can boast. No one brags about how they achieved heaven. It's going to be all because of the grace of God that he chose sinful people like you and me. And again, the end of this section is to the praise of his glorious grace. Like God gets the praise for this whole concept of choosing us and adopting us. 
So maybe there's a question now, though, because you might also catch that he said that he's gonna, he chose us to be holy and blameless. And so when you consider what it means to be on this side of the door and to be in the presence of God, like God in his presence will not allow sin or rebellion, and you go, wait a minute, how did this happen? Like, how did I come through that door? Because I am not holy and blameless. I think that's a great segue into verse 7, where now it talks about what did Jesus do? Like, how has God blessed us in Jesus and the work of Christ? In verse 7, he says, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. So in Paul's day, this concept of redemption would have been super prevalent, like it was on people's minds. Unfortunately, in that day, some of the estimates I read is that there were up to 60 million people in the Roman Empire who lived in slavery. And so this concept of redemption, they would have been well aware that a redemption was a price paid to rescue and free uh, a, a slave from being a slave to set them free to live life as they chose. And so the analogy here, as you read through the scripture, as you read through and understand the gospel, is that every one of us is a slave uh, to sin, all right? We have all rebelled against God. As you read through again the scripture, we see that sin ravages us, it destroys us, it separates us from God, and it leads us to death. We're going to see that clearly in Ephesians chapter 2 at the beginning of the chapter. Sin is a dangerous thing. And what's especially horrific about sin for us is that we can't do anything about it. We are trapped by sin. We cannot free ourselves. We are slaves to sin. And there's no price we can pay to rescue ourselves from sin. And the worst of all of this is that our sin cuts us off from this God who loves us and who blesses us. But that's where it says, through Christ, we have redemption through his blood. Jesus paid the price. Jesus sets us free by what he has done for us on the cross. And the price he paid was his own life and his own blood. He died to redeem us from sin. And so Colossians 1, 13 and 14 is a great passage that teaches this as well. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness. He has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So God, it is absolutely true that God chose you, but his choosing you came at a great price. Jesus' life, Jesus' blood was that price. And we had no part in our redemption. It wasn't like we chipped in or we promised to go to church every week and then that, that kind of pushed us over the top. It's like this was all done by Jesus Christ. And redeemed people, praise God for his grace and his mercy on us. A long time ago, um, I used to do youth ministry. There was this little chorus. Uh, it's so short, um, but so powerful in explaining this. When it said, he paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt that I could not pay. I needed someone to, to wash my sins away. But now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace. Christ Jesus paid a debt that I could never pay. That's exactly what Paul's talking about here. God the Father chose us. God the Son, Jesus, redeemed us. So there's more we could say. We don't have time this morning, but I do want to catch one other thing in verse 11. 
this kind of another benefit that comes from being redeemed by Jesus. Verse 11 reads like this in the, the translation we read, in whom we have obtained an inheritance. Now, I will say, like in Colossians, and there's some other places where it talks about as a follower of Jesus, you have an inheritance waiting for you. Like in heaven, like just we are welcomed, we are adopted in God's family, so there's an inheritance along with that. But I think this, and we could spend a few minutes breaking down the Greek and why, I don't want to do that with you now, but uh, this could also be read that we were the inheritance that because of what Christ has done for us, because Christ redeemed us, we are God's inheritance. I think that's accurate with this passage in verse 18. You're going to see that thought. That's a thought that you see throughout the Old Testament. Deuteronomy 9, for example, it talks about Israel being God's own possession, his inheritance. You see Jesus talking that way in John 17, where he prayed to his Father for the people that God had given them, like that, that his people were a gift to him. So if you want to blow your mind even more, we've already talked about being chosen. We've talked about Jesus redeeming sinners. How about this concept, that, that because of what Christ has done for you, you are so valued by God, the Father, that you are like his inheritance. That God doesn't tolerate you, or God doesn't like, oh man, when I picked him, what was I thinking? Like, why did I, why, you know, I should have had my standards a little higher. Why did I, you know, there isn't anything like that in this whole transaction. We have nothing to offer God. We're just sinful, broken, rebellious people. And he chose us and Jesus died for us. And that makes us so valuable that God sees you now as, as his inheritance. As you are a blessing to him. That, that's, that's staggering, guys. I, I don't know if I'll ever get my head around that one. But that's, that's what we're being taught here. And that's a beautiful concept. And so... There's one more blessing. There's one more person in the Trinity that we haven't talked about yet, and that's the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's role in this whole transaction is probably to help in what I just talked about. When this doesn't make any sense to you, when you don't understand how this could possibly be, the role of the Holy Spirit is to assure us and to seal us in this profound truth. All right? So let's read verses 13 and 14. It says, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So uh, verse 13 is kind of like a play-by-play of coming to Jesus, right? Kind of like if you watch football games and Let's watch this highlight and do a play-by-play. Like, I just have to say this. It's so cool to see Tom Brady throw an interception and lose a game, and now the Patriots are out of the playoffs. So, and I'm so glad that my two favorite Patriot fans were in each service and got to hear me talk about that. So just, just thought I'd share that. But I could watch that replay over and over Again, it may even be his last pass as a Patriot turns into a pick six. So, I'm sorry, we'll stop on that. It just brought me great joy to see that. So, but even greater joy when we see this replay, that when you heard the word of truth, it's like you're on this side of the cross, whoever believes in him will not perish, have everlasting life. And then you believed in him, and you stepped through, and here you are. Are you serious? I'm forgiven. Serious? I'm chosen serious, I can know God now the rest of my life. Um, 
you're going to have some times where you're not going to be able to get your head around that, or you're not going to believe that, or um, you're not going to feel that that's, you're, you deserve that. You're going to have some bad weeks where you're doing your thing instead of God's or whatever it is. The Holy Spirit is there uh, to seal us. So the moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, the moment you walked through that door, boom, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit, all right? Uh, sealed, I think maybe in Ephesus in the, to the Ephesians would have made a lot more sense maybe to us right away. Uh, they were uh, under the authority of the Roman government, and the Romans were huge about making sure you knew who was in charge. And so, so if it had the seal of Rome or not was a big deal. Like that meant if it had the seal of Rome that this was legitimate, it was authoritative, uh, it was true, and you do not mess with the seal of Rome. What God is doing here is showing us that the moment you trusted in Jesus Christ, the greatest authority of all, God our Father, sealed you with his Holy Spirit. Like the Holy Spirit is fully God and comes and lives in the lives of anyone who's put their faith in Jesus Christ. And that happens at the moment you put your faith in him. He is there to secure you. That seal meant you belong to someone in great authority. The Holy Spirit is God's seal on you. It means you belong to him. Like you are his. He protects you. He provides for you. He loves you. You are his. And nothing will change that. It's one of the Holy Spirit's roles in our lives. And so... uh, He's also called a guarantee, a guarantee. Um, because I'm sure there's gonna be days we go, did this really happen? Like, is this true? And so there's two ways. As I look through the roles of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, there's two ways that he does this. Like, number one is that the Holy Spirit is there to assure us, he's a guarantee to us that this really happened. Write down these verses, Romans 8, 15 to 17. That one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to cry out from your heart to your creator God, Abba, Father. Abba is like daddy. Abba, Father. Like just from within you to remind you that you are an adopted child of God. You can call the creator God, Abba, Daddy. That's how intimate and personal you are with him. The Holy Spirit reminds you of that. And that's an assurance that can come your way. I just thought of this one. Didn't, should have said it earlier. Romans 5.5 5 says that the Holy Spirit pours God's love into your heart. That's one of his other roles. It's just pour God's love into your heart. So you're going to have days you won't believe any of this is true. Like, I don't deserve any of this. Holy Spirit's going to go, I know it doesn't make any sense, but it's true. He's just going to pour on you the assurance and the guarantee that, that you are God's through Jesus Christ. All right? The second way there's assurance, I think you look also at the role of the Holy Spirit is to change us or to produce fruit in our lives. Galatians 5, to 23 says that as you uh, are enjoying this relationship with Jesus, as you are following Jesus, it's the Holy Spirit that begins to work in you. And so you see things in your life, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Uh, those are all Galatians 5, to 23. Those are all assurances to you that, wow, God is at work in my life. God is changing me. And it's also an assurance to the people around you that something's going on in this person's life. And the only story there is that Jesus has come into your life. But the Holy Spirit is there to seal you, and he's there to be your guarantee that this really happened. And again, it ends with to the praise of his glory. That's, that's the whole theme here. Praise God for what he has done for you. And what's really interesting about Ephesians is that uh, it was written by Paul, 
And then we get a chance to circle back and see how were the Ephesians doing, like maybe 20 or 30 years later. Like, did this, did this passage help? Like, did it give them courage and confidence to stand? And if you look in the book of Revelation, um, there are seven churches that Jesus has a message for. And one of those is this church in Ephesus. And so here's some of the things that Jesus says to this church 20, 30 years later after reading what Paul had written them. Uh, He says this to them, I know your deeds, I know your hard work, and I know your perseverance. You have persevered and you have endured hardships for my name and you have not grown weary. Isn't that a great, isn't that a great checkup? Like, hey, does this Bible stuff really work? Yeah, it worked. Like these guys stayed strong in their new context, in their new faith. They stayed bold. They uh, lived with passion. They lived with courage and they followed Jesus. That's been my prayer for us this morning, that these truths would be injected in us. So if people were to circle back and see you or see us in 20 years, yep, still strong, still going hard for Jesus. And so what I want us to do is to make sure as a people that we embrace the calling of being a people blessed in Jesus. There's three big ones I see coming at us. Just kind of wrap us up. Number one, I think if we really understand what this means, that we walk through this door chosen by God, uh, that we're adopted, that we're set free, that we're sealed by the Holy Spirit, all these truths, we're God's inheritance. I think there's three things that we'll see that we really get this. Number one, there'll be just massive humility. We'll know this, I did nothing for this. Like I do not boast about any of this. This was all God. God is a gracious God, and that is my only story. That's my only plea, is that this was not me. All I offered him was my sin and brokenness, and look what he has done for me. There will be humility if we really understand this. Second is that there will be a confidence. There will be an assurance that you are dearly loved by the creator of the universe, and that kind of love and assurance just propels you uh, to not live for yourself, to not be afraid, uh, to not waste a lot of time worrying, um, but just to realize that assurance, that, that security, that confidence that comes uh, from knowing how deeply loved you are. I heard somebody describe being a Christian as this, that being a Christian is not thinking too highly of yourself or too lowly of yourself, but you are so full of God's blessing that you just think of yourself less. Think of yourself less. So humility, assurance, and the last one has been kind of Paul's big deal all the way through it, is that we'll be a people who praise God, who worship him, who are just so blown away by what he has done for us that it'll be very common for us very often in our lives that we tell God good things, that we praise him, that we bless God, and that even the people around us may start hearing those things, that what is most important to us is what God has done for us, and so we will be a people who praise him and who talk about him. My prayer is, would that be true for me this year? Would that be true for all of us in this year? We just embrace these amazing blessings that God has poured into our lives. So what a perfect morning to do what we're going to do next. We're going to celebrate communion. This is something Jesus asked us to do so we don't forget how he has blessed us. And if you're serving this, why don't you come on forward and uh, let me just read a couple verses to kind of just kind of recap what we just talked about, but also get us ready to do what we're about ready to do. Uh, We saw this in Ephesians 1, 7, that we have redemption through the blood of Christ, the forgiveness of our sins according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. And I mentioned earlier this verse in Colossians 1, 
that Jesus or God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And so what we're going to do right now is this is for followers in Jesus Christ to remember what he has done for them. So if you go to Parkview or not, I, my biggest concern is like, do you know Jesus? And if you believe in Jesus, then this is a way for you to remember what he's done for you. If you don't have uh, a faith in Jesus yet, please don't do this like just to kind of fit in or to do a routine that doesn't mean anything. Like not trying to be offensive, but just inviting you instead of just going through the motions, maybe just think about what we've just talked about about what Jesus has done for you. And so we're really glad you're here, but don't feel forced to do this, right? And so as these, guys, as these folks will pass out the bread and the cup, why don't you hold on to both of those and then we'll take them uh, together. But let me pray and then we'll uh, take communion together. So Jesus, what a, what a beautiful time to do this because it's just right in the middle of us just walking through some profound truth of how you have blessed us in so many ways. Thank you for the redemption that your blood has provided us, how you have set us free from sin and have you lavished grace on us, how you've allowed us to walk through this door now and to be seen by God the Father as holy and blameless, not because of us, but because of what you have done for us. And Jesus, I pray if somebody here doesn't get that yet, that this would be the day that they take your gift of what you have done for them on the cross. For those of us that do know this and, and um, celebrate this now, God, may this time of reflection be a good time to just look and see, are we living like this is true? Are we humble? Are we living in confidence of your love? And are we praising you for what you've done for us? So use these times, God, this time now, to speak to your church. In Jesus' name, amen.